Welcome to Scream Scene, the horror movie podcast where we watch every horror movie ever made in chronological order, and then we rank them from best to worst. My name's Ben. And I'm Sarah. Thank you for listening to us today. How are you doing today, Sarah? I am doing pretty good, getting stuff ready for uh, the next few weeks for Patreon and beyond Mm, with the podcast. Yes. Um, How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm definitely feeling like there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I've got my three RPGs that I play every week, my weekly games. Then I've got my job as programming coordinator of the Calgary Cinematheque. Then we've got the podcast Mm -hmm. that we do. Um, Which I'll be honest, I've thrown myself completely in to avoid looking at everything going on outside of this house. Right. So, you know, the podcast has its now five episodes a month that we do, plus all the bonus stuff on Patreon. And that's all going to ramp up into October, where we typically do, you know, our five episodes a month and then the bonus Patreon stuff and then like other extra special bonus Patreon stuff on top of that. Halloween treats. Right, exactly. And then, you know, there's the attempts to stay social with our friends, which sometimes can be in person if we're outdoors. But as the weather gets colder, are going to, you know, mostly be online like they have been for the past couple of years. Um, COVID is not really under control very much here in Alberta. So there's just it just feels like there's a lot going on. And I'm just trying my best over here to just keep on keeping on. Well, I do have some news to share with you and the fellow listeners. Okie dokie. Our bonus episode for September has been voted upon on Patreon. It's been a close race. It has been. And coming up from the rear uh, is Gaslight from 1944. Are you sure we haven't already done Gaslight? Don't, don't. There, there's already been jokes about that on on Twitter, uh, like one person saying like, "Are you sure you it's in the poll?" And me going like, "Oh God, did I forget to put it on there?" And then checking like, "No, I'm too naive and believing to be able to handle those kinds of jokes." Sure, sure, sure. But uh, that's the Ingrid Bergman one from yes. MGM. Yes. So that's going to be a big, exciting episode. And I am excited for our first horror-adjacent episode that will not be on a universal property. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. It wasn't really intentional, but we it did... It happened. We did do, like, three movies in a row that were either universal films or, like, related to universal films. Yeah. So keep your eyes out for that on the last Saturday of the month. Um, but what are we watching today, Ben? Today, Sarah, we are watching Cat Girl. From 1957, directed by Alfred Shaughnessy. I love how when you say cat girl, it implies an exclamation point at the end. And it also puts the Batman 66 theme in my head. Really? Um, So on the posters, this movie's called The Cat Girl. Okay. But I think in the movie itself, it's just called Cat Girl. 
And I keep saying it that way, even though that's not that's not the that's not the tone of this movie at all. <laughs> um, but you know, the internet has ruined me. So when I think cat girl, I just think like you know some like tween anime girl with cat ears and like whiskers and like mm-hmm. paws Absolutely. and a tail, but otherwise human and dressed in a schoolgirl uniform because the internet has ruined me. There is a manga that basically is that I forget what it's called, but I definitely read it in high school. There's, I mean, there's, there's probably like 12,000 manga that okay. are basically just that. So, okay. Well tell us about this movie. Okay. So cat girl was the product of a deal between Anglo amalgamated productions <laughs> and American international pictures. AIP. Okay. That's right. To co-produce a horror picture that would be a British horror movie to compete with what's coming out from Hammer. Anglo Amalgamated Productions had been founded in 1945 by producers Nat Cohen and Stuart Levy. AA would become best known in Britain for producing the first 12 Carry On films, um, which is like a series of comedies with titles like Carry On Doctor, Carry On Sergeant, Carry On Nurse. Like, okay. They're just com- they're, they're dumb 1960s British comedies um, that are quite popular. Um, And AA already sort of had a relationship with AIP. Um, They basically had like a co-distribution relationship. So AA would distribute AIP movies in the UK. AIP would distribute AA movies in the US. And so here they're coming together to actually like co-produce a movie between the two of them. Now, I want to talk a bit about AA's co-founder, Nat Cohen. Uh, He was born in 1905. He was the son of a kosher butcher in London. His father was also a silent partner in a local cinema. And after finishing school, Cohen went into the cinema owning business, I guess you could say. (laughs) Um, He bought his first theater in 1932. And by 1935, he owned seven, three in London and four in sort of the like greater London area. From there, he went into distribution, um, mostly like cheap American comedies. Uh, But after the war, he founded Anglo Amalgamated Productions and began producing his own films as well. AA's success basically came in the latter half of the 50s with their partnership with AIP for horror, as well as the carry-on comedies through the 1960s. By the early 60s, AA was producing some of the most daring British films of the time, including Peeping Tom, because they had, like, kind of the success to do that. So imagine if, like, Asylum Films turned into A24. I don't know what Asylum Films uh, is. They're the, they're the Mockbusters people, the Transmorphers people, oh. the, the Sharknado versus, you know, whatever people. And they turn into A24. Yeah. Damn. Um, but then AA was bought out by Associated British Pictures Corporation in 1962. But it was okay because Nat Cohen became the director of ABPC when they bought out AA. Um, and then ABPC was in turn bought by EMI in 1970. This was during the period where EMI was becoming a major media conglomerate. Um, most people probably know EMI as a British record company but by this point they had their own film company yeah i was gonna say like that's my context for emi a lot of acronyms but uh even after emi bought abpc cohen remained on top 
because he operated his own independent unit within EMI films called Anglo EMI. At the time, uh, Brian Forbes was head of EMI. Um, he was a very big deal filmmaker, uh, best known for the Stepford Wives. He also appeared in a minor role in Quatermass 2. We mentioned him back then. But when Brian Forbes resigned as head of EMI Films, Cohen took over and basically became the most powerful man in the British film industry in the 1970s because he was the guy in charge of the major studio of that era. So truly started from the bottom. Yeah. Buying cinemas. Yeah. So Cohen passed away in 1988, uh, but here back in 1957, he is still at the start of the journey that would see him become the dominant figure of British film in the 1970s. Cool. So as a co-production, uh, this film has two producers, one British, one American. The British producer was Herbert Smith. The American producer was writer Lou Russoff, uh, producing oh. his first film. Yeah, we, uh, we've seen a few of his films. Yes. So Russoff wrote Cat Girl, um, which is itself a pretty bald ripoff of Val Luton's Cat People, um, yeah. with, of course, no official acknowledgement of that source. It's Well, Val Luton's passed away by now, right? Yes, he passed away in 1951. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is sort of like cat people mixed with like cat in the canary. Sure. Like if cat people was also an old dark house movie about like inheriting things from your family. I mean, I can see how you could bridge those two together. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, as you mentioned, we've seen some of Russoff's movies in the past. Uh, he wrote Day the World Ended, Phantom from 10,000 Leagues, It Conquered the World, and The She-Creature. He'd sort of been Roger Corman's go-to writer at AIP early on until the death of Russoff's brother left his script for It Conquered the World unfinished, and Corman turned to Charles Griffith, who then became his main guy after that. But Russoff remained at AIP as both a writer and a producer, you know, continued with them long after this, um, at least until the post-production phase of his final wildly successful movie, 1963's Beach Party, uh, which basically invented the beach movie genre that would become <laughs> a huge part of AIP's box office in the 1960s. And a uh, staple for anime going forward. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, that movie, which set off the beach party craze uh, in movies, um, Russoff wouldn't see the success of uh, because he died of brain cancer during the editing of that film. Fuck. Directing Catgirl is Englishman Alfred Shaughnessy who was born in London in 1916, two months after his father died serving in the Canadian Army in World War I. So his father was in England, you know, as the halfway point to getting over to Europe to fight in the war. Yeah, but he was in, like, the Canadian? Yeah, he was a Canadian in the Canadian forces. Okay, but um, you said he was an Englishman. No, no, no. Alfred's an Englishman. Ah. He's born in London. Kay. His dad is Canadian, having been in England because of the war. Ah. Uh, but Alfred was born two months after his father died in the war. His grandfather, his Canadian father's father, was Baron Shaughnessy, 
president of the Canadian Pacific Railway and thus one of the richest and most powerful people in Canada at the time. His mother was the second cousin of James Polk, the 11th president of the United States. Okay. So after his father died, his mother remarried uh, to the Honorable Sir Piers Lay, who was the equerry to the Prince of Wales. Uh, so that's that's this dude's family. Why is he here? What did... <laughs> He's, I bet he, he must be a disappointment to his mother. Um, Shaughnessy was educated at Eton, uh, where he hobnobbed with all the right people. And he, he basically spent his like young adulthood, like partying with other like high class British people of the time. Sure. Um, he was meant to be educated at the Royal Military Academy. Um, he did, he was educated at the Royal Military Academy, but he dropped out on grounds of conscience saying that he didn't want a career dedicated to killing men. So because of that, the like plans for his future became derailed because like having a military education is sort of part of that like standard, like, and then you'll become a Lord and then you'll, you know, whatever kind of life that had been planned out for him. Um, so from there he sort of went to just being like a partying, um, you know, Alfie. Yeah. He's Alfie. Right. Um, his name is Alfred. Correct. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, however, world war two, forced him back into the army uh, and he served in the British army during the war. He was one of the troops who landed at D-Day after the war ended. He decided to follow this kind of like writing bug. He had gotten writing poetry in the 1930s and got himself a job writing for Ealing studios, uh, becoming quite a successful screenwriter. He then directed his first film in 1956. Cat girl was his second film as a director. Okay. So he's sort of at the beginning of his directing career, which I think is why he's directing this movie among anything else. But he would go on to write, direct and produce films through the 1950s and 60s before hitting his biggest success as what we would probably now call the showrunner of the hit series Upstairs Downstairs from 1971 to 1975. Do you know Upstairs, Downstairs? No. It's extremely famous, well-regarded, um, hugely influential. Downton Abbey is basically a modern ripoff of Upstairs, oh, Downstairs. so that's... Okay. I wasn't sure, like, the context for the Upstairs, Downstairs. Yeah. So it, Downton Abbey basically has the same premise, but yeah. Upstairs, Downstairs was a drama focused on a British aristocratic household and sort of dividing its time between the aristocratic family and their servants um, from, I think it was set between 1903 and 1930 and was basically the meta plot was seeing the fall of the British aristocracy. Cool. Shaughnessy passed away at age 89 in 2005. So yeah, this is just sort of like a weird blip in the career of this guy who ultimately took his background as being part of the British aristocracy in the early 20th century and turning it into a hit TV series in the 1970s. Sure. The film stars Barbara Shelley in the title role of the cat girl. She was born Barbara Cowan in London in 1932. Her family was Catholic, so she attended a convent 
in her youth for school and performed in school plays and Catholic youth drama festivals. She was very shy on stage, though, so she took up modeling on the advice of her acting teacher in order to gain confidence. She began modeling in 1951, and ultimately that led to her first film role in 1953, a very minor role in a Hammer film of that year. She then went on holiday to Rome. Uh, She meant to be there for a month. Uh, There she met Italian comedian Walter Chiari, who recognized her talent and encouraged her and suggested that she change her name to Shelley after his favorite poet. Sure. She ended up staying in Rome for four years and appeared in nine Italian films. She returned to Britain in 1957 and Catgirl was her first movie back. But we are going to be seeing much more of her after this. Uh, The next year, she began appearing in Hammer films and became their top female star. She was dubbed the Queen of Hammer. Okay. She passed away on January 3rd, 2021 at age 88. She had gone to hospital in December for a routine checkup, contracted COVID-19 while there in the hospital, and had to stay in the hospital until she died on January 3rd. I, so this is the first person we're talking about who has died of COVID-19. Yes. Oof. Man, this fucking pandemic. Fuck. Yeah, I'm pretty sick of it. So Catgirl, the movie, had a budget of roughly $50,000, <laughs> which is peanuts. No, no money. None whatsoever. AIP put up half good for them um but yeah that's that's nothing money nothing money it debuted on september 24th 1957 as the lower half of a double bill with bert i gordon's the amazing colossal man critical reaction has been mixed to cat girl <laughs> over the years um it's you know been kind of dragged for being a ripoff of cat people um especially a ripoff of cat people that sort of misses the point of cat people <laughs> Um, it's also been dragged for being very old fashioned, uh, you know, doing like an old dark house inheritance thing in 1957. However, it has gotten like it's good reviews over the years as well. Um, and good or bad generally praise is always singled out for Shelley's performance. So it's a bit of a throwback you're saying with this inheritance stuff and all that, what is the status on the release of Curse of Frankenstein? Ah, well, by this time it's been released because we've already done that episode. No, but I mean like in terms of the production of Catgirl. Oh. Would they have possibly seen the turn towards that, for lack of a better word, like older fashion, like the gothic yes. stuff? Yeah, this was produced because AIP and AA saw how much money Hammer made on Curse of Frankenstein and wanted to pump out something quick. Mm -hmm. to cash in on that okay yeah so so i feel like we can't really hold the old-fashionedness against it at least until we see it yeah because they're following a trend they're not behind correct the the thing that i've read about this movie is mostly that like they didn't get that what hammer was doing was reinventing Mm. gothic horror they didn't understand like the way that hammer was modernizing things sure However, uh, if you want to watch along, you can see Catgirl for free to stream on Tubi. Awesome. Well, folks, hopefully you're able to watch along. You're going to hear a brief musical interlude, and when we come back, we will discuss Catgirl 
from 1957, directed by Alfred Shaughnessy. See you on the other side, everybody. Welcome back to Scream Scene. We just finished watching Cat Girl from 1957, directed by Alfred Shaughnessy. Ben, first thoughts? This was honestly a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Yes, but it's also kind of like what you think it's going to be. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I think Cat Girl's a bad title for it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I thought this was fine. I think... You know, it deals with its low budget very well. Yes. I think it hides that pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. There's no particularly terrible actors. No. No one like really just like fucking up the whole thing. No. You know? Um, yeah, so all right showing. Let me tell folks what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's cat people in London. More or less with yeah. like some other stuff thrown in. Yes. Yeah. So we follow... A Leonora Johnson, as she returns to her uncle's home, Manor House. I wonder if she's a Leo. So she was raised by her uncle because her parents died when she was young. uh, And she hasn't really come back since basically running away because it was uh, not the best place for her to grow up. Uh, As she returns, she is bringing her husband, Richard, and their friends, Alan, who's a drunk, and Kathy, who is having an affair with Richard. Now, as they are on their way to the Manor Castle house, Leonora runs into her childhood sweetheart, Brian Marlowe, who uh, turns out uh, is now married and a psychiatrist. They reach the manor, and uh, as usual, her uncle is cold. Um, But at night, when everyone else is asleep... Leonora is taken down to, you know, a room that she was never allowed in as a child. The spookatorium. (laughs) And um, her uncle explains that uh, there's a Brant family curse. um, And it is now time for that curse as well as your inheritance to fall to you. uh, Because I am choosing to die today. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Um, now, this curse involves, you know, those y- yourself and then those your second self um, that basically is uh, an animalistic side and is embodied by this live leopard I keep in this basement. Yeah, so this is like the biggest twist from Cat People or like a werewolf generic kind of movie in that like she doesn't become the leopard the leopard's like a separate thing she can control it yes and presumably that also means that the leopard will not kill her unless she tells it to unless she tells it to speaking of um not quite i'm getting there Mm. um so this leopard must hunt and kill and feed and you will have the urge to feed off of what it kills as well now her uncle has been commanding the leopard to go hunting for rabbits, and then he eats the rabbits, but it's still like a thing he has to do. 
and it's time for this curse to fall to you. Uh, and he commands the leopard to basically kill himself. <laughs> this is a big shock to Leonora, um, <laughs> both with, uh, hey, family curse that you've never heard of that's been in our family for like 27 generations. But also, uh, your uncle has been killed by a leopard that is now on the loose. She has a bit of a mental breakdown, and the cops end up calling Dr. Brian Marlowe uh, to come, you know, evaluate her and take care of her. Now, Leonora uh, seems to be at least semi-aware that Richard is having an affair with Kathy, as does Alan seem to be as well. I mean, they're not being super careful about it. It's kind of like, yes, Leonora, um, Kathy and I are going to go outside for a long period of time, just the two of us, um, for to look for for reasons. And when we come back, um, her makeup will be all over my face and her hair will be all messed up. Yeah, like they're, yeah. they're not really doing a very good job of hiding it at all. So now with Brian back in her life, Leonora's like, Brian, I've I'm still in love with you since we were kids. Like, let's get like, let's be together. And he's like, I'm married. And also you are like suffering a psychotic break right now. Um, I'm here as your doctor. Uh, no. <laughs> um, why don't I come by tonight to check up on you? And then I, I'll bring my wife, Dorothy, and you can meet her. Leonard does try to explain to Brian, like, no, I have, like, this leopard curse, and here's what it is. And Brian's like, no, really, it's all, all in your head. That night, Leonora is still out there. She thinks she can hear the leopard, even though no one else can. Richard and Kathy are going for their long walk. Leonora goes out into the woods because she, she's upset about Brian and Dorothy, and she comes across a trail of clothing leading to Richard and Kathy. And she becomes like very angry. And that's when the leopard attacks and it kills Richard. Kathy manages to scream and get away. But that also means that there's now a witness that no, a leopard killed Richard, not you, Leonora. And so it just further underlines to the cops, to Brian, that Leonora is crazy. So the next day, Leonora is taken by Brian and Dorothy to a London asylum. Here in the asylum, she doesn't do too well. She has some nightmares and believes that she turns into a cat person, a cat girl. Mm -hmm. Her hands turn into paws. She has like a leopard face. The effects aren't super good, but also it's very like dream sequence fuzzy. So I don't think they meant for it to even look good. Yeah, you know, I mean, they know everything's going to have Vaseline on the lens. Yes. Yeah, they very intentionally keep everything way out of focus because it does look like she's just wearing like a like a cat head mask, like she's Golden Age Catwoman. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they they obscure it significantly. Yeah, and Brian's like. Okay, I don't know if the asylum is the best place for you, because this is clearly not going well. Uh, throughout this treatment, she consistently throws herself at Brian, and Brian's like, if you're going to do that, I'm not going to be your doctor anymore. I'm here in a professional capacity. Stop it. Mm. Uh, so, yay, someone has some professional standards. Right. Often in these movies, they don't, so... <laughs> 
got to praise it when you see it. Brian's like, okay, asylum's not working. Let's try a sense of normalcy. Let's get you out of the asylum. I'll put you up in a hotel. And tomorrow you can go on a shopping trip with Dorothy. Won't that be fun? That's what ladies like, right? I'm going to be away at work, not helping my patient and having my wife spend a day with someone who wants to kill her. But it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, Dorothy does take some convincing to this, um, but Brian's like, no, just stay on like well-lit streets, stay in crowds, you'll be fine. <laughs> I love that he tells her like, just this once, which which makes me like really wonder like how many other times has he foisted off patience on her? <laughs> yeah. Like, and now like kudos to her for like going with it, but she doesn't <laughs> seem to have any kind of medical training for this. Like, no. don't put like your mental patients on to someone who can't handle them, especially when they're like about to break. Also like, even if she wasn't either cursed or crazy, I don't know if arranging for the gal who has a crush on you and keeps throwing herself at you to spend time with your wife, to become friends with your wife is like the best way mm -hmm. to diffuse that tension. I can see where he's coming from because he's trying to get her to face reality. Mm. And part of that is recognizing that I will not go with you, Leonora. I am married to Dorothy. Mm -hmm. So I can see like that train of thought. However, I am not a trained medical personnel. So mm -hmm. I do not know if this is actually like the way to do this. Right. To treat a cat girl. <laughs> <laughs> in any case, they go on the shopping trip and uh, Leonora keeps making like comments here and there about like, clearly she is not over the this cat leopard idea um, and poor Dorothy has to deal with it. And eventually Leonora has these plans to kill Dorothy. Um, they get a call and she picks up. Um, from Brian saying, hey, I'm going to be late from work. Let's meet at this restaurant called Riverside Cafe or whatever the fuck. And she's like, cool, I will tell Dorothy. And then she tells Dorothy that um, he wants us to meet on this like dark street corner. Yeah, meet me at this dark street corner by the docks in the dangerous part of town. <laughs> um, and so Dorothy does that. And basically Leonora just does this to get her alone at night. Uh, now, Brian catches on just in time and is driving over to that dark and spooky corner and accidentally hits a leopard as he pulls up to rescue Dorothy. And the leopard was just about to pounce on Dorothy. Now we see once the leopard gets hit by the cart, Leonora collapses. Um, and then there's also like a strange moment because the cops have been like on the lookout for this like leopard on the loose. Mm -hmm. um, so they come running over and they notice that part of Leonora's raincoat is on the car. And Brian's adamant that like, I didn't hit her. I only hit the leopard. Mm -hmm. But it's clear that Scotland Yard are going to have a few more questions for him. Yes, about indeed. this. But that's the end. Leonora has died when the leopard was hit by the car and Dorothy's alive and Brian's possibly going to be tried for manslaughter. Right. <laughs> so the entire climax of the movie mm -hmm. where Dorothy's on her dark street and 
Leonora's kind of stalking her, and the leopard is also stalking around, but in an intercut sort of way, is just the super famous stalking sequence from Cat People. Yes. It's, it's ramped up a bit in intensity because Dorothy is way more certain that Leonora's out to kill her than... Um, the character in Cat People was certain that um, Irena was out to kill her. So, you know, Dorothy starts actually like running um, down like alleys and shit. But it's 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 the same idea. Like, yeah, absolutely. It starts kind of almost like a shot for shot remake and then it kind of ramps up. And you have to know that they know what they're doing because the famous Cat People scene ends with the famous Luton bus where we hear what sounds like the roar of a Jaguar, but is actually just a bus pulling up. And in this movie, Dorothy gets dropped off at the spooky alley by a bus. Yes. And so that just to me signals like, Hey, we know what we're up to. Yeah. And like on the one hand, I can't really fault them for ripping it off because it did make so much money. It's, it is very famous. Luton himself ripped it off. Yeah, Many in a time. all of his subsequent movies, practically. Yeah. yeah, so, like, I can't really blame them. They do do a fairly good job of pulling it off. It's not as, in my opinion, it's not as effective as in Cat People, but they are, like, using shadows really well. They're intercutting really well. Um, the sound design isn't as constructed, but you can see, like, what they're trying to do. Yeah, this movie is well shot throughout, I think. It has excellent use of light and shadow right from the very beginning of the movie. It was stylish enough that I was like, okay, this could be this could be cool. We're not afraid of like having darkness on screen. Nice. Mm -hmm. So I was impressed. Um, as we already kind of discussed, the performances are good, um, particularly Barbara Shelley. Yeah, I think she is the standout for sure. But everyone's kind of admirably essaying their roles. Yeah, uh, Ernest Milton as Edmund Brandt really likes to chew the scenery a little bit, but he... <laughs> That's the role he's in, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. So again, I can't really blame him for that. Um, so he does a pretty good job, yeah. especially because he has to set up like the entire curse. The movie has good suspense, tension, chills, thrills. Um, like, I think it's effective. There's really, for me, only like, a couple major problems with it. Mm. Um, there are some moments that kind of graded on me, but that's only like, because it's a movie from 1957. Okay. Like as much as we gave Brian props for being a professional and a faithfully married man, um, there's some moments that are like a little cringe from just like the power imbalance between him as doctor to patient and like also man to woman in a 50s setting. Yeah. Um, he should have recused himself. I mean, like obviously if it's like a small town, when he gets called the first time you got to go. But once you get to London, like pass her case off to another doctor, like you are a little too close to this. Also like it's a little uncomfortable um, especially because like we as the audience know that the curse is real. Um, but it's a little uncomfortable when she's like, Brian, I'm, I mind control a cat at night and have it kill people. It's horrible. I'm cursed. And he's like, 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm just filling up a syringe with some sedative to pump you full of. Uh, how about you shut up and go to sleep? Yeah. Like that's, yeah. that's a little uncomfortable because like, I think it's always a little uncomfortable to see examples of doctors not listening to their female patients because we know that's a big problem IRL. Um, but like in a 1957 context, like this is normal, which is not great, but yeah. Yeah. I will take a little bit of issue with one thing you just said though. Cause I think the movie is trying to make it seem a little ambiguous. Oh, Oh, I agree. Yeah. Cause, well, cause you said that like, it's clear to the audience that she controls the leopard and stuff. Um, and I think like the beginning maybe tries to set it up because we do see Edmund, like the uncle controlling the cat and stuff, but, um, especially post asylum, like they're really trying to make it ambiguous. Yeah. This is one of my problems with the movie. Yeah. My, my first big problem with the movie is the old fashionedness Mm -hmm. of a lot of it. Um, there are some moments like Leonora sleeps in the nude, um, Richard and Kathy like are seen straight making out lying down on the grass. Um, also the fashion is very 1950s, but like other than those things in large part, this movie could have come out in the thirties or forties without much changed. I mean, maybe not in Britain, (laughs) but certainly like to the point where why does her uncle dress like he's like a black mage? Well, because he lives in a spooky old castle, right? He has um, uh, a servant, kind of a housekeeper, Anna. She's like ancient and basically a crone and has like a nondescript Eastern European accent, you know, just because she's the housekeeper of a spooky castle in a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of old fashioned elements here. Um, The characters feel kind of old fashioned, especially... um, Richard and Alan feel very pre-war Britain to me. Um, So that's one of my problems with this movie. My other big problem is that while enough has been changed from cat people that it's not, you know, the exact same movie. And it's worth pointing out that in the days before home video, like these kinds of ripoffs could be more excused because it's not like you can just go watch cat people if you want to. Yeah. Like it has been like 15 years. Mm -hmm. Um, But on the other hand, it is still very much cat people. And as we've mentioned, that resemblance gets stronger the longer the movie goes on. But I think it misses some really key things that made cat people work. Absolutely. Um, There's no depth to the relationship between Leonora and Richard. What is really, without this turning into an episode of me just going like, cat people's amazing. The relationship between Irina and her husband is like, they're clearly, clearly really love each other and really Mm -hmm. care about each other. Her husband's just a little dumb, like just like a little like naive. Well, the central thing in cat people is Irena was a very lonely person who wanted love, whose husband wanted to give her love, but she wouldn't accept love from him because she believed she would turn into a deadly animal if she became sexually aroused. And so she kind of pushes him away, which is what drives him into the arms of the other woman. 
but there's also like he's clearly trying to help her mm-hmm. and he's remaining faithful to her. Yeah. There's frank discussions about mental health and about intimacy issues. Yeah, he never actually cheats on her. He just has like a woman who's his friend at work who he's spending a lot of time with because he's clearly lonely because his wife's kind of driving him away and then she gets jealous. Yeah. Whereas in Cat Girl, Leonara is lonely. Um, but not because she fears turning into a cat pe- no. cat girl. Like she, she just is maybe thinking she's just not deserving of love because the, of the way she was brought up. It's not in clear. like a very cold situation. Yeah. Um, and she's married a real dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Richard, mm-hmm. after all. Uh, who is just straight up cheating on her, right in front of her. And um, she also seems to like really quickly switch from like being upset about that to throwing herself at Brian. Oh yeah. The second her husband's out of the way, she's like, all right, time to go after this guy. Yeah. Even before that. So like, there's just, there doesn't feel like there's any depth to these characters. No. And they do seem to switch. At least Leonora seems to switch on a dime like that. Well, Irena was sexually repressed Mm. and the cat, came out when she let go of those feelings, right? Leonora's not repressed, um, but there is like this weird thing where she sort of gets sexier when she becomes cat controlling. But like there's no, the psychology isn't there. Like there just is, it's just the tropes of evil woman sexy kind of thing. It's not, there's no psychology backing it up. She just has like a curse, a shitty husband and a crush on a man she can't have. And I think the most telling line in the whole screenplay is when so so it's sort of implied that like Richard and Kathy have been seeing each other since before he married Leonora. And now they're just still seeing each other, even though he's gotten married and she's gotten married. And she has, like, no problem having an affair with him. She's definitely way into it. But she does, like, ask him, like, are you sure we should be doing this? Like, like I'm, I'm down to clown, but, like, do you think it's a good idea what with your wife being, like, right over there? And, you know, so they have these conversations. And at one point, Kathy's like, yeah, so she doesn't love you and you don't love her. So why did you marry her? Why did she ask you to marry her? And yeah. he just kind of like comes over to her and starts making out with her. And she's like, you didn't answer my question. And then he just keeps making out with her. Like the movie doesn't have an answer to yeah. that question. Absolutely. I think Lou Rusoff needs to take a break from writing. Um, and I say that with like all the understanding in the world, um, because I understand like these road bumps with writing seemed to have started when he lost his brother. Mm. So, you know, lots of compassion out to this guy uh, 60, 70 years later. But um, the structure of this movie as well feels really off. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if it's really the pacing, but it just characters leave and then we don't ever hear of them again. Yeah, Kathy and Alan just disappear from the movie at the halfway point. And so does Anna. And the explanation is like, yeah, she left. And, and like, why, why is any of this here? Um, there's no tying up of these loose ends. It just feels like a bunch of stuff kind of slapped together. And 
Um, I know that that's sounding rough, but I think maybe he should focus on being a producer for a while because this movie looks pretty good, especially <laughs> for no money. We do still get the like fractured interpersonal relationships that Lou Rousseff like really liked to put in his B movies, um, you know, with our three sets of marriages and like two out of three are in a lot of trouble. So I did notice that, which seems to be like a Rousseff trademark. Yeah, but, but I think what we're seeing here is that he's putting them in for the appearance of depth. Mm, yeah. When there actually isn't anything there. Well, again, this is sort of this movie has the problem that a lot of like ripoffs tend to have, which is understanding like the ingredients of the movie they're ripping off, but not understanding like why they work. Sure. Right. So you're like, okay, I know I need like butter and bread and heat to get to toast. So I guess I'll like heat up this butter and then pour it on the bread. Okay, now I have soggy bread instead of dry, crunchy bread. What did I do wrong? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, it'll still taste good because it's butter. Right. On bread. Right. But, like, this isn't what I wanted. Um, the only character who's, like, sympathetic in this movie is Dorothy. Yeah. Because she's just been kind of thrown into a bad situation. <laughs> but, like, you know, one of the things that made cat people work really well is that even as Irena slips into her cat persona, she remains sympathetic. Yeah. Leonora kind of isn't sympathetic. No. Ever, even before she knows of the curse. Because, like, I mean, she's trapped in a shitty marriage, but she is throwing herself at Brian from, like, the moment he shows up. You know, Richard's obviously not sympathetic. Kathy's not sympathetic. Alan's kind of sympathetic because, like... I think I get why you drink, dude. But like, you know, not really. Um, even Brian's not like super sympathetic. Because as you say, like he should have not gotten involved with this. So there's really only Dorothy who's sympathetic. Yeah. Um, but to get to, I think, an important point to discuss, this movie also clearly wants to ape Cat People's famous ambiguity. Yeah. About what's real what's not is she really turning into a cat is she just got mental illness um same thing here right is she really mind controlling it or does she just think she does but i think that from the get-go in the movie it's really hard to interpret what's going on in the story if the curse isn't literally true yeah i think it's wanting to have its cake and eat it too absolutely but it's real. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like, it's a real curse. Yeah, because, like, in Cat People, we have a panther, a black panther, in the movie that's at the zoo in New York. And at one point, that, like, panther gets loose. And so there's confusion about, like, is she turning into a panther or is it just the panther that got loose, right, that's prowling around? In this movie, her uncle, like, keeps a pet leopard. And then that leopard kills him when he wants it to and then it goes out into the woods and gets loose and then kills only the people that leonora is angry at mm -hmm. and then most significantly follows her all the way to london yes that's sort of the big 
I think thing where it breaks down that like, oh, this could all be in her head. It's like, well, we know there's an actual real leopard around because it does get hit by a car at the end of the movie. And so why did it beeline into London with her? Absolutely. The last few things that I'll say about this movie is, um, yeah, that like it looks really good Mm -hmm. between the sets and the shadows, the atmosphere that it does. Um, there, I don't believe that there's any stock footage here. Like even with the police running around, none of it seemed to be stock footage. Maybe some of the London establishing shots, but. But that's pretty good compared to what we have been seeing. Um, it's a real leopard that they got. Mm -hmm. Um, it uh the props that they have with it especially with it getting hit by the car yeah, is look, really look well good. done um and there's a lot of blood post attacks yes yeah yeah for sure like this isn't a bad movie yeah it's just infinitely better if you don't know cat people exists sure <laughs> do you want to move on to ranking yeah for sure uh so let's start by saying cat people is episode 98 and is currently ranked at number two yes uh i think we can both agree that this goes below cat people somewhere 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 between (laughs) two and 200 (laughs) um so where i was looking was um down in the 70s uh what kind of drew me here is i was like i know that this is not as good as cat people Mm. obviously And then I was like, well, what about another movie that had a serial killer killing people with leopards? So then I went to The Leopard Man uh, at number 55. While that movie is a little little muddled, I like it better than this movie. Yeah. Um, Because it's it's more like original. um, Yeah, it's it's just got stronger filmmaking. Yeah, it's just better. Uh, Sometimes you can't articulate it. It's just better. Yeah, Jacques Tourneur is Jacques Tourneur. Exactly. And Alfie Shaughnessy is Alfie Shaughnessy, you know? <laughs> uh, so I started looking down from there. And then I hit the 60s with The Black Room. And I was like, oh, no, I think The Black Room's better. Mm-hmm. And then I got to The Amazing Mr. X slash The Spiritualist. And I was like, Ben and I disagree a lot with that movie. It also has a, uh, in the sense of like, I think it's better than it maybe is and ben thinks it's worse than it maybe is but in any case it landed here um it also likes to play with like is the stuff real or not but that movie has a lot going on and it keeps track of every part of it Mm. um so i think it's better than cat girl but it started to feel like the right kind of range um so i made that my ceiling and then i went down and at 77 is night monster Mm. um which is a terrible movie it's pretty bad but um like i don't know it's it has some good things comparing these stalking scenes (laughs) (laughs) uh to remind folks night monster has these stalking where like it you'll be in the forest and you'll just hear like rivets all around you and then suddenly when you're being stalked the rivets rivet suddenly stop. stop. Yeah. The needle gets lifted off the record. And then once the stocking stops, that needle drops and we get the like full blown rivets again. Um, so my range is between 70 to 77. 
Though I do feel like the best spot for this is between Revenge of the Creature at 72 and Attack of the Crab Monsters at 73. Great. Fantastic. Uh, we're probably just going to put it there. Oh, well, what? tell me so, about you. So I did basically the same stuff. Like I had almost the same thought process. I went down to the Leopard Man. I was like, nah, Leopard Man better than this. And then I kept looking down from there. I knew this was not as good as the Black Room. I knew this was not as good as the Bad Seed. Right below the Bad Seed is Cult of the Cobra, which is another movie with a woman killer who has a connection to animals um, and a like sort of love me hate me kind of thing going on with mm -hmm. one of the main characters and it is like maybe accidentally more interesting than it is right so a lot of similarities between this and cult of the cobra but right below cult of the cobra is quatermass 2 which does have a big giant slime monster so i thought okay i'm gonna make cult of the cobra my ceiling at 67 looking down from there i got to revenge of the creature and i was thinking about originality and yeah. how Revenge of the Creature is kind of a retread of Creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, not at first when the creature is like in captivity, but like, I mean, literally the last shot of the two movies is identical, right? This movie is a ripoff of Cat People. So, you know, neither is super original, but I think I like Revenge of the Creature more. I'd rather watch Revenge of the Creature than this. Below Revenge of the Creature is Attack of the Crab Monsters. And I was like, mm, okay, listen, <laughs> I think this is better than Attack of the Crab Monsters. I mean, we liked Attack of the Crab Monsters, They're but so I, cute. I did find myself looking at Attack of the Crab Monsters here at 73 and being like, how did Attack of the Crab Monsters get this high? Because right below it are the houses of Dracula and yeah, Frankenstein. Yeah. So I made 73 my floor. Uh -huh. So if you're ceiling is 70 and my floor is 73 and you think it goes beneath revenge of the creatures above attack of the crab monsters i am good with that cool for the record the reason that why i was thinking below revenge of the creatures um is it that the gal and revenge of the creatures real cute i mean maybe maybe it's also because those teens <laughs> i don't know the use of like characters and storytelling is a little better yeah so entering the list at the new number 73 is Cat Girl from 1957, directed by Alfred Shaughnessy. Um, if you would like to see this list, you can go to our website, screamscenepodcast.tumblr.com. Now, if you follow us on Twitter at underscore screamscene, you may have heard how uh, last week when updating the list, Tumblr borked itself uh, and we lost all of the hyperlinks. Um, we have reestablished the hyperlinks, but Tumblr is no longer formatting them to look like hyperlinks. But trust me, they are there. Just click on the episode number and it'll take you to that episode if you want to listen to that episode. Yeah, we're, we're figuring out how to reformat the list to look nice again. But right now it just is all kind of in plain text because at least it's functional. Yeah, functionality is kind of what's most important yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you for your patience with that, listeners. Um, if you would like to contest this or any other ranking, you can drop us a line through our ask box on Tumblr, or you can reach out over email at screamscenepodcast at gmail.com. Scream Scene updates every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can subscribe to the podcast through our RSS feed. If you'd like to help the show out, you can leave us a rating or a review, or 
tell a friend about the show, or head over to patreon.com slash scream scene podcast, where you can become a patron of the night for as little as a dollar a month. Patrons at the five and $10 level get access to regular bonus content. Uh, like what we were talking about at the top of the show. There's always a lot of bonus content going into October. Uh, because of the spooky Halloween season. And so it's a great time to join up at patreon.com slash scream scene podcast. So what are we watching next week, Ben? Well, next week, Sarah, we're going to Mexico. Oh, that's actually really exciting. And we're actually kind of staying there for a while. Oh, dope. We, we might be having like a month in Mexico um, because we are seeing Ladron de Cadaveres or the Body Snatchers. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> is this perhaps based on we're that, thinking the other more body? Val Luton body snatcher than um, invasion of body snatchers you know what I'm saying yeah 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 much more of a, a Heron Burke sort of situation cool in Mexico I love it so uh, see you next week creatures of the night bye bye bye